Syndicated source material. Okay, it is time for another syndicated source material. This episode features our 90th episode that aired on the Rattelichin Broadcasting Network. It originally aired November 7th of 2016, right around when the first Doctor Strange movie was released. Uh, Prior to edit, this thing was about an hour and 48 minutes long. We've got it down to about an hour and 20. Uh, And our focus is on a story by Brian K. Vaughn, titled Doctor Strange The Oath. Now this is being aired in honor of the new Doctor Strange movie that's coming out subtitled The Multiverse of Madness. And I I gotta tell you I'm pretty excited for this concept. I love thinking about what's going to be happening in this movie. Guests on the show are Ronnie Adams and Mark Radlich but also if you listened for a while you may recognize the voice of one josh calandros and it has been a while since we've had him on the show uh, i'm going to say at least four years and i miss i miss talking to josh i think he ended up moving and when he moved of course he had a job that was keeping him pretty busy it was rare for him to have the time to come on and join us after that as the episode goes on you'll hear us uh, making some references to agents of shield and the inhumans The Marvel TV universe was trying to pick up at this point. But the Inhumans, oh boy. Yeah, the Inhumans. (laughs) It is fun to think about how far we are six years later after this episode aired. We're in March of 2022, and there's been a ton of Marvel history that has unfolded on the small screen, tied in with some of the bigger films, specifically the Disney Plus shows, WandaVision, and the What If series that featured Scarlet Witch uh, and an alternate version of Doctor Strange. Now we get a Doctor Strange movie that's going to feature, I assume, alternate universes? I mean, 14-year-old Jesse's mind would have exploded, understanding that this is something that would happen almost 30 years later. Uh, I mean, the storytelling that's happening in these films right now is just pleasantly unexpected. We'll put it that way. So, without further ado, let's get started with Brian K. Vaughn's Doctor Strange, The Oath. Hey everybody, welcome to source material <laughs> we are live the marathon <laughs> eight hours nothing but we're just going to do the oath like six times tonight we'll talk about it and then we'll talk about it again and then again and see how many times we can talk about it in the eight hour six span. dark odes <laughs> we're going to revisit alan more <laughs> oh yeah that'll, yeah that'll be good we could we might not have enough time for <laughs> can we just do eight hours of batman well, you guys have already started. I shouldn't. I should not be the one st- step in and stop that. Force <laughs> material is here, as you guys could tell. We have some guests on tonight, this evening. I want to welcome first off Spicy Wiener himself. <laughs> Sweet, <laughs> Ronnie Adams. You're the one that chose this. Did you try? No, to I didn't. I didn't choose it. You didn't choose that. No, I was just forced upon him. Forced. Uh, the spicy wiener was forced upon you. All right. That's a- <laughs> That is enough for me. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's a bad night at the office. <laughs> oh, this is already a bad night at the office. Mm. Well, okay. Ronnie Adams from the Screaming Boy podcast. Welcome to the me, show. Just, just call me Carlos. Uh, Carlos. <laughs> uh, Josh, did we figure out what to call you? My name's Josh. Josh. <laughs> I shouldn't ask you then. I should ask Ronnie. Ronnie, did we figure out what to call Josh? <laughs> he figured it out on his own, and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> 
Uh, we'll keep it at Josh. Josh Calandros, who's been on the Source Material podcast before. Welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you back on. Yeah, thank you very much. Absolutely. And, of course, the patriarch of the Radulich and Broadcasting Network. He may have pants on. He may not. Most likely not. <laughs> Mark Radulich, how you doing, man? <laughs> doing good. This is a story called The Oath. Now, the writer of this story is someone that we've talked about on the Source Material podcast a few times, and that is Brian K. Vaughn. Now, Mark, I know you're not the guy that usually pays attention to writers, artists, stuff like that. Have you ever heard of Brian K. Vaughn before? Books up for burning. No. <laughs> That's my line. <laughs> I literally didn't get a word of that and just heard. Burn the man. Yes, he knew what I said. <laughs> now, Ronnie Adams, Josh yeah. Andros, Ronnie Adams, I know we've talked about Brian K. Vaughn before. Yes, we have. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn, I mean, he's just, I don't know. There, you can definitely tell his work from just about anybody else's most of the time. I mean, he's written a lot of X-Men. Cable, Wolverine, all that. Uh, Ultimate X-Men, he wrote that. He's done a lot of work with Marvel, but the most one, the one that stands out most in my head and the one that I love the most is going to be Runaways. Runaways. Uh, yeah. Soon to be a Hulu series, if I'm yeah. correct. Um, that's the only reason I, to sign up for Hulu for me. Um, <laughs> it's a selling point. It is. It really is. because They're not putting that on Netflix? That's going to Hulu? Yes. Uh, yes. So. like a virus, man. It's going everywhere. A virus yeah. for profit. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> Runaways has been one and, and always will be one of my favorite titles ever. So, yeah. Josh Calandris, me and you have talked plenty of Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, we have. I, I was just looking through his his kind of bibliography, and uh, it's it's pretty solid. Like Runaways was awesome, like Ronnie said. I, another kind of diamond in the rough for me was the Hood limited series. Yep. I don't know if y'all read or know about the character the Hood, but uh, Brian K. Vaughn created the Hood in that series, so that's kind of a neat little factoid. And then um, we've talked about Why the Last Man. That was awesome. And really, for me, and I know this, this we won't we won't dive into this too much. But for me, the only blemish on his entire career was in, his involvement with the Lost. <laughs> We've I had discussions. We have had I discussions. So yeah, you know, you know my feelings there. He's also responsible for Saga, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. he writes Saga. Uh, so that's Brian K. Vaughn. That's our that's our thoughts on him. He gets his hand on Doctor Strange. This comes out 2006, 2007. Art, by the way. Marcus Martin. Marcus Martin. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I never heard of this guy up till now. Uh, any of you guys want to speak up if you've heard of? I, I he was he was new to me. I was not really all that impressed with it initially, but um, I, I I was looking at. It, I was like, when was this written? Because this feels very like very kind of bold colorful like late '90s, early 2000s. And then I looked up the date. I was like, oh, okay. Well, not, okay, so not. I've seen it a lot. Some of it you don't rec- really, you wouldn't put together, but he's done some um, amazing Spider-Man. A couple of okay. issues of that. I remember. He apparently won a lot of awards for uh, some work that he did on Daredevil. Yeah. That's, yeah, with Mark Wade. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really remember him from was Amazing Spider-Man and Daredevil. Anything stand out to you, Mark? I mean, look, I look for art that I I just want it to be kind of simple and I want to be able to understand what's happening. Comics are a very visual medium, a visual storytelling medium. And I find that with certain books, certain artists, they draw very stylized 
and, and it's fine. I know a lot of people are really into it, but I, I like my comic books to at least look somewhat real. People should look like people. Um, it's one of the reasons why I think like Todd McFarlane drove me up the wall. <laughs> he drove you up the wall? <laughs> yeah, I he did. You, no, no. As oh, much man. as I love, Go ahead. as much as I love McFarlane, you got to admit that Spider-Man had no joints. I no, mean, he, like he, he was just he a, a yeah, he was just a bag of of, of of flesh just flying around. I'm calling Benjamin J. Cologne right now. Me and him are just gonna. We're, 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 I need I him. I love here. it. I love him. You know, <laughs> but let's get Angry Ben on. Um, <laughs> oh, I'd, love, I'd love to hear Angry Ben. But I mean, he to, scares to, me. to really answer your question, um, I am, I could make out what was happening. The art was interesting enough that I, you know, that it didn't take away from the story, but it didn't confuse me either. I, I don't look for my comic book art to be anything more than a um, an accent to the story. You know, mm. don't make pictures that match what's happening in the story and let's keep it moving. So nothing took you out of it. There wasn't any parts where you're like, geez, Louise, I can't, I don't understand what the heck's going on in this. Because there's yeah. sometimes where I've been reading a comic and the art has been something that I just almost could not fathom as to what the hell was going on in the panel. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. It, it's It's decent art. It does the it does the story service. I'll be honest, I'm not the world's greatest you know art connoisseur. I don't know much about you know how a comic book is put together and some of the little fun things that are done and in, 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 in regards to panel. And some people are geniuses at how they put stuff together. Nothing struck me like that, but it, it mm-hmm. definitely served the story well. So, all right, well, let's go ahead. And we'll get into the story here. Uh, first off, I already talked about why this book. I mean, we, we we're kind of pairing this up with the movie, Josh. Doctor Strange, you read a lot of this guy? Um, not until the current series. Um, the current series that is um, is being written has been, I mean, it's been really good. It 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 it's not the type of um, book that's kind of restarting everything over and starts with his origin. It kind of starts with him obviously being the established Sorcerer Supreme. So it's it's kind of just a continuation of him, but it's. It's 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 really really good. But with that being said, my understanding of the character is pretty thin. I mean, I understand I've known his origin. I don't know there's a movie coming out. I know what I just read, and I know the current series, and that's pretty much it. Okay, Mark. So Doctor Strange, uh, couldn't care less about him. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, when I was a kid, I read Avengers, West Coast Avengers. Um, I wasn't really into the X Men, um, and when I did pick up an issue. Something was happening with Psylocke. It made no sense. I ran away from it. Read the Hulk, obviously. Read a lot of Batman. I don't like magic, and I don't like mysticism. Um, I've never seen Inception. <laughs> <laughs> that ties in somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it ties in with the trailer, because that actually is what puts it in mind with some of the crap that goes down in that trailer for the movie. Yeah. I kept joking around that uh, that this was that this was Inception two. Enter Doctor Strange. Um, <laughs> so I just I'm not into it. I wasn't into it as a kid. I'm not really into it as an adult. I'm excited for Doctor Strange because the movie, you know, all jokes aside, looks interesting. But to me, Doctor Strange worked best as a guest in other people's books. I liked him as a guest in like I loved the Fantastic Four when I was a kid. That was probably one of my favorites, and it saddened me to see what's happened to it um, in both comic book and in the movies. You know, when he showed up in the Fantastic Four, showed up in the Avengers, I liked him as sort of the calm amongst the storm. You know, he was sort of the resident expert in things going all whack-a-mole. 
in Avengers Disassembled, which I hope we can talk about someday on source material, you know, he's, you know, with the, the Avengers are just sort of trying to put out fires that are spontaneously combusting all around them. And he's the one that figures out, you know, what's going on with the Scarlet Witch. So I like him as sort of an advisor, uh, consultant. I could care less about his solo adventures. And his rogues gallery is even worse. <laughs> wizards, and that's a band. Demons <laughs> and wizards. <laughs> yeah, that's right, demons and wizards. Um, but yeah, demons and wizards and Morgan Le Fay from the from the from the King Arthur thing, and it's just ugh, I could care less. Five minutes into a Doctor Strange, you know, wizards duel, I just want the Hulk to run in and knock everybody over. <laughs> like Mark, I didn't read much of his solo stuff. I knew more than I should about him just through research and reading him uh, in like all the other where he just popped up you know, randomly or, or not so randomly in other other people's, you know, books. Kind of got interested in him. i tell you when I really got in, you know, got interested in him and wondering who he was, uh, was the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. And all the yes. tie-ins with that. Because he had such a weird collection of uh, secondary characters that surrounded him mm. and, and, and the Infinity Watch as well. You know, who is he? You know, that, that the Silver Surfer goes to him for help. You know, the Silver Surfer with the power cosmic and all yeah. this, you know. <laughs> so he's a lot more powerful than, you know, a lot of people that, you know, myself included, gave, gave him credit for. He's a smart aleck. He is a bit of a bit of a ladies man. And, you know, I, just, I, I dig him, but I never really read, you know, it's a shame that I never read more of his, you know, solo stuff. I never read a whole lot of solo stuff either. You hit it right on the head for me when you talked about it being Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that was probably the first real exposure that I got to the character. He shows up a lot in the Infinity Watch, I believe. He's a part mm-hmm. of that. I read. I just read that a couple years back. So uh, he is a very powerful character, but he always slides under the radar for me because you know, I'm used to reading about, you guys know, growing up, I was reading The Punisher and, and yeah. that was just all outside, way outside of my uh, range. And then, of course, we read a What If not too long ago where Pun- Doctor Strange gets killed and he merges with the Punisher, and I was like, "Man, this is the this is the coolest ever." But anyway, because all right. the Punisher had his his cloak and his amulet, and yes. all, yeah, he, he was so, the only one left that could uh, that could destroy the vampires. As vampires had taken over the world, he was man, a what flying... if stories were crazy back then. It was what if uh, Wolverine became Lord of the Vampires? That's right. You can find <laughs> it right here on the Rattlech and Broadcasting Network. It's about I think we did that when we did our what if week way back in december yeah. nobody nobody was broadcasting on the network so i was like screw it i'm taking over we did nothing <laughs> but what ifs for the whole, the whole week that synopsis is coming up but first let me talk about amazon music if you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs amazon music has you covered if you head to get amazonmusic.com slash w2m network you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs that's get amazonmusic.com slash w the number two m network for that free 30-day trial all right let me get into my notes here and we'll start with issue one issue one starts out pretty crazy i mean dr strange is is shot He's shot in the chest. Wong, his faithful servant, takes him to Night Nurse, portrayed by Rosario Dawson. I, that's her name, right? In the Netflix series? Yeah, she's yeah that's a, Rosario Dawson. Okay. She, she's a mixture of two different characters. Is she? That, yeah. Help me um, out. For obvious reasons, they can't use Night Nurse's real name. Okay. Which is Linda Carter. Ah, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. 
I yeah. did not actually know that. Yeah. Night Nurse started out as three different characters, and it was just a it was just a comic book in the sixties, I think it was sixties or seventies, about three nurses who worked at night. And they, you know, it was one yeah. it was Sorry. like what do we want to call this series? I got an idea. Let's call it Night Nurse. It, it was more of like a dramatic comic book. They eventually uh Linda Carter, uh, she was saved by a and it doesn't really say who or whatever, you know, she was saved by a superhero. So she started up a you know, a clinic, usually pro bono work patching up all the superheroes of New York, you know, Luke Cage, Iron Fist. Uh, she was in Civil War where she took up. And I don't think she was, she was a very minor character in Civil War, but she took up on Cap's side. And, We're uh, talking was the pat- comic, not the movie. Let's not finish. the movie. Yeah, yeah the, the comic book, the first Civil War comic book. Uh, and she joined Cap's side of the, the whole thing, and she was patching them up and all that. But uh, in, Net- in Netflix series, it's Claire Temple, who is supposed to be night nurse, but I think she shares, uh, see Claire Temple is, well, I mean, Claire Temple is a character and she takes on a night nurse character as well. Okay. Let me jump in here. Now there is a nurse character in the movie played by Rachel McAdams and her name is Christine Palmer. And I know what Ronnie's talking about because I, I read about this too, is that, that basically they've given a lot of the characteristics of uh, the night nurse character to somebody of a different name. And that name is Claire Temple played by Rosario Dawson. And so, yeah, she is a mashup of a few different characters in that, in that sense. Separate- Aren't they specifically calling her night, you know, like not calling her night nurse, but making her the night nurse character. Basically. And yeah. I feel like they even referred, they even made a joke about referring to her that once, but they've now just divorced that character from Dr. Strange. And there's a different nurse character that he'll have some sort of romantic relationship because this is movies in 2016. And that's the whoever this Christine Palmer character uh, McAdams is playing. And I don't know who Christine Palmer is in the Marvel Universe or if they just pulled the name out of their ass and decided, well, we can't call the night nurse, so we'll come up with something else. (laughs) So is there going to be like some sort of Doctor Strange love interest in that movie? Yeah, I'm going with Christine, Christine Palmer. Christine Palmer, um, the three, the very, <laughs> shut up, Josh. The, uh, the three characters in the original Night Nurse were Linda, Carl- Linda Carter, Georgia Jenkins, and Christine Palmer. Okay. There you go. And I'm now just looking, uh, looking up the same thing. Yeah. So she's playing a Night Nurse, and Claire Temple is another Night Nurse. Man, right. American movies just refuse to have a movie that doesn't involve some sort of love interest. Godzilla movies have love interests. The American ones have love interests in them. Like, wow. why? <laughs> Josh, why do you, Josh, why do you hate women? Did you not see those? Oh, he just watched it. He, I did. Seriously, yeah. he, it was this past Sunday or the Sunday before. He, yeah, he and then we, I was on some podcast like when it first was getting ready to come out, and I was like, I'm, I just want to go see it despite these people that are protesting it because it's women because I wanted it to be good just for that one reason, and You're it was awful. <laughs> took my daughter to see. I took my daughter to see it, and I saw it opening night. So I saw it twice. Oh, sorry. two times! Wow. Yep, two times dope. Two times dope. <laughs> okay, so Night Nurse and her hospice here. She handles the the superheroes. Uh, if they're hurt, they they come to her. Well, this is exactly what's going on here. Doctor Strange lying unconscious, shot in the chest. Uh, so Wong brings Doctor Strange to her to get operated on, and we find out that. Doctor Strange was shot by 
a guy by the name of Brigand. We don't know much about this Brigand guy other than he's working for somebody who was assigned Brigand the task to go and retrieve the Elixir of Otkid. Now, what does this elixir do? We don't know here. Uh, I, I don't believe we find that out here at the, at the beginning. If you're thinking you can just walk up on Doctor Strange and shoot him, that's not usually the easiest task. You know, Doctor Strange is a pretty smart dude. However, if you use an enchanted weapon or a, a weapon that has been used uh, and, and has some kind of negative energy attached to it and, and put a silver bullet into that gun, which this gun, by the way, is Hitler's own pistol he used to take his own life. OK, we, when he shot Dr. Strange, he shot him in the chest, grabbed the elixir and took off. And that's pretty much the first issue. We don't really know much about the guy who's put him into it didn't put that put Brigand into operation here. Oh, I forgot one important thing here. Night Nurse works on Doctor Strange, and and while Doctor Strange in his astral form help assist her with the surgery. <laughs> Imagine that one. Work, you know, performing surgery on yourself, uh, heart surgery or close to heart surgery, nonetheless. And Wong, uh, his faithful assistant, is also suffering from a brain tumor. That ties in here. That's important part because that was the whole point of this of this elixir. Wong has a brain tumor that is inoperable, and he has. It's about three months to live. Now, Wong and Doctor Strange are pretty much inseparable here. So there's a strong bond between these two, the Sorcerer Supreme and his assistant Wong. Usually when you saw Doctor Strange, Wong was usually not too far behind or he was hanging out at the Sanctum Santorum, making sure everything was okay. The thing that stood out to me the very first uh, was the very first part of it where um, this, I don't even know who that was, the girl sitting there with Iron Fist. And she said that she got smacked in the face with she got hit in the face with mace with a mace, mm -hmm. not like the spray, but like a medieval weapon mace. She got knocked out and all Iron Fist. It was he. I think he pulled a hammy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And was the, uh, uh, Spider Girl, the mid 2000s Spider Girl. OK, that's who that was. Yeah, it's a legitimate, you know, people, you know, it's like a doctor's office. You know, they, they go there and they wait in the, in the waiting room and, you know, she she takes them in. She gives them medication or, or whatever. And, and, you know, Dottie patches them up, sends them on her way. And then Wong busts in with a with a half dead Doctor Strange. And she goes like, all right, you guys, you got to go home. I'll see to you later. This one, you know, this is like an emergency room kind of situation. So it was really it was almost real to see, you know, Iron Fist, a, a pretty well-known hero. Well, it was sitting there with with a pulled muscle, you know. <laughs> it was like you know he he's he's a he's he's a human. He's going to pull something every once in a while, you know. That's right. Um, you know, just to think of all the times that uh, you know you know Spider Man got hurt or whatever. You know, how did he? You know, of course he's got kind of a uh, advanced healing factor thing going on, not like Wolverine, but you know he's got accelerated healing. He he's bound to have gotten patched up somewhere. These guys got to go somewhere to get you know the bandages and stuff like that so it was really cool to see it, it, that really stuck out to me i was just like i didn't know it was kind of surreal like i said it was adam or not adam smasher flag flag smasher flag was smasher that, was that his name the guy with the mace yeah. which is, that is a, a b villain if i if i remember correctly i've never oh he's guy. he's he's much less than a b villain <laughs> 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 I, my my favorite part of uh, this this issue, like so that panel where um, where Wong kind of busts in with the what looks like a lifeless strange. Uh -huh. Like my my favorite part about that is like if you look at the art on the cape, the cape is like holding on to the door rail. 
Oh, I, you know, yeah, it yeah. Is, like, so it? I, I like you, you know, you always see like art of Strange with this crazy big cape, and it looks awesome. But that kind of yeah. implies that yeah. it's it's it it's almost alive, you know, like so it's nice. or yeah. it's it's part of him or something like that. That that's kind of a cool little piece that I'd never really put two and two together with other Doctor Strange stuff I'd seen. I, I don't remember what exactly set this conversation off, but this was like an hour ago between me and my wife. And I mentioned something about the cloak of levitation or the cloak of levitation came up. Might have been because she saw the Doctor Strange movie commercial. And she was like, wait, why is the cape alive? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it operates. I said, oh, you know, the, the cape kind of has its own personality. It, it, it operates by itself. The cloak of levitation, I should call it by its proper name. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, it's known to hide on Doctor Strange. And she was like, that's weird. And I'm like, well, did you think the carpet in Aladdin was weird? Because it's the same principle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was like, yep, thought that was weird, too. And then I said, okay, I'll make fun of you. Good night. <laughs> I do want to go ahead and, and point out here that at the end of this issue, let me go ahead and skip to the page here real quick. We do find out, uh, well, real quickly, I'll show you one of my favorite, one of my favorite pages is where Dr. Strange heads to that library trying to figure out, you know, where he can go to try and help Wong. Meanwhile, there's all these ne'er-do-wells who decide they're <laughs> going to they're going to try and take advantage of him. And Wong's like, bring it. And he proceeds yeah. while Dr. Strange is just sitting there reading a book, has no idea what's going on behind him. There is five guys, four or five, three, maybe three, um, trying to take Wong out. And Wong's handling, you know, with ease. Dr. Strange has no idea what's going on. But he proceeds to to head to find this demon who has this elixir of Otkid, which I assume our demon here is Otkid. Here at the end, after I, I assume defeating Otkid, he took the elixir, which ends up being the cure for cancer. That's one, of, our, one of my favorite things. So you were kind of talking about like Wong's little fight scene. Yeah. So like I, I like where they bust in and they're kind of like talking shit to Wong, and then they're like, "No, no, give us everything you've got." And he takes that pose. He's like, "I offer nothing less." <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. that was my uh, yeah. I, 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 I love that part. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, once again, we have yet another hallway fight. Just begging to be <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, issue two. Doctor Strange, after having... I don't know if he got... Sh- I don't think he got shot in the heart, but he got shot darn close to the heart. So after heart surgery or whatever, <laughs> chest surgery, <laughs> Doctor Strange just gets up off the table shortly thereafter, after being sewed up, and he's like, all right, well, we've got to go. And, and, and Night Nurse is very concerned because she, you know, she treats her patients with care and she wants to make sure everybody she takes care of is okay. When Dr. Strange gets up and pretty much says, thank you, I'm out. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm coming with you because we need to figure out who it was that shot you. And I need to make sure that you're okay during this journey. (laughs) So Night Nurse is coming along for the ride. So we got Wong, Dr. Strange, and Night Nurse heading to try and find Brigham. Now there's a point in this book which I thought was darn funny. Uh, and I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but there was a Sherlock reference. Oh, yeah. That pops up every once in a while throughout the book. Now, 2006, 2007, this is before Cumberbatch does uh, does Sherlock, right? Because that, shows, that show's been on for like, what, a couple years? Uh, it's been on for forever because it takes them forever to record them for some reason. <laughs> each episode's like, no, honestly, each episode's BBC. Like two hours long, right? I don't know. I've not watched. I've not watched. I know he played Sherlock. I just never I've never had the chance. I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I've never watched it. Anybody anybody hit the Internet and find out yet? Uh, All right. So uh, Sherlock. <laughs> <That'd be> Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
all. And by the way, you could hear everyone quickly like pounding at their keyboard. <laughs> um, <laughs> all righty. Uh, original release was July 25th, 2010, and it's still running. Hmm. Okay, so this is a few years before. So interesting how we got some Sherlock references throughout this story. Crazy enough, uh, they're still on season one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the only lead that they have is uh, Dr. Strange sent a portion of this elixir off to a guy by the name of Dr. Jonas Hilt. Now, this was he sent it over there to get tested uh, to try and find out some additional uh, information about the properties of this stuff. So he thought, well, let's start there. That's the only guy that I know other than myself, that knew I had the elixir. So he heads over to uh, Jonas Hilt's, Dr. Jonas Hilt's lab, and it is trashed. And they actually find Dr. Hilt on the floor dead. Uh, So they're kind of at a loss. But Night Nurse, who apparently is also very skilled in in forensics, is able to look at him and say, look at Dr. Hilt and say, well, this looks like the same type of, you know, the same type of gun that shot you. So we know that whoever took this is trying to clean up their tracks. There's a very interesting part about the backstory of Doctor Strange, and we'll get into this here at the end because this is kind of my favorite part of this book. Uh, we also get our introduction to Nicodemus West. I apologize for my voice. I don't know if – I know you, I've already told you guys that my I've got coming down with the crud, but uh, I think this is the most talking I've done all day. So if I start to wear thin, bear with me. We, we are introduced to Nicodemus West, who is the guy that is behind this plot to go and, and, and get this elixir. Nicodemus West looks a little freaky deaky. Um, I just, uh, you don't come across too many people with two different colored eyes. I don't see it a whole lot, but I'm stuck in my basement all day. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Nicodemus West, who ended up being the surgeon who repaired Dr. Strange's hands after his origin story, which we, we kind of get like a two page splash at the, in the first issue about the origin story. Uh, but he is the guy that kind of uh, tried to put Doctor Strange together after this, uh, after that horrible accident. This kind of fits in a little bit because clues actually lead they lead Doctor Strange and well the trio here to Baron Mordo, uh, a, a pretty common villainous name if you're if you're pretty well read on Doctor Strange. So they head over to Dr. Mordo's evil lair. I don't know. It looks like a warehouse to me. But in order to get there, they've got to jump off a train. Just to go ahead and put that out there. But uh, anyway, they all jump off a train. They end up in this this place. They go in. We find out that inside this this lair is not, not Baron Mordo, but Brigand is there. So our, our lackey, the guy that shot Dr. Strange, is there in Baron Mordo's house. He, he takes Night Nurse as hostage, holds Hitler's pistol up to her head, and we've got our we've got our cliffhanger for next issue. So that's the end of issue two. Now, the, the one thing that I want to talk about here, especially this backstory on Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange had his accident. Now, I don't I didn't know much about Doctor Strange going into this. We've already talked about that. I didn't know the guy was a dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like mad obnoxious he's, he's a fallen person that's really the plot of the movie actually is, is his whole he's a douchebag and then he loses the he loses use of his hands and him and him coming to the ancient one is at the end of a long journey where he was trying to find some non-medical remedy to fix his hands so that he could go back to being a surgeon and resume being a douchebag. Right. And he's basically like humbled by the ancient one. And he's shown another kind of power more so than being a God that is a doctor. And he was like, Oh, well, this is much better. And sort of just runs with that. And that's how he becomes the sorcerer Supreme. 
You can okay. still catch that that D bag vibe in him in the comic books too. Well, I mean, yes and no. Look, yeah. I mean, if you're smart and you and you possess all of this knowledge, you're gonna seem like a douchebag to people. But I don't think purposefully. I think it's more of he's definitely a smart aleck, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's a wise ass. But I think it comes off as more like egotism than like total douchebaggery. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, 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 if anybody who's a master of their craft kind of walks in the room, they're going to have that air of confidence about them. That's probably how they got to be as good as they are. I don't know. I don't I don't hold that against the character. I think that's an accurate portrayal. Oh, it's nothing to hold against the character at all. It was just, you know, you could you could still feel that on him. And yeah. uh, it, it's not a it's not a, you know, completely horrible thing, but it's just a, it's definitely a. Uh, the whole um, Illuminati had an arrogance about them. Oh, they gosh, were the yeah. The most powerful people on Earth. And that okay. is something that I did not read. We should probably awesome story. Story. So that we're like, where is this going? What are you talking about? Well, the, the original, the original <laughs> Illuminati storyline was crazy good. Was it? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I'm trying to look it up. I've got it downstairs. Well, the uh, members of the Illuminati, who were they? Uh, Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, Namor, Professor X, Black Bolt, and Iron Man. Now, these are the guys, Mark. You're, you you probably know these guys very well because these are the guys that sent they sent Hulk to planet uh, to the Dog. yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right. And Black Panther, we forgot about him. Oh, yes, yeah. was he in the original one? Uh, he's in the group that shot the Hulk into space, so he counts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And really ultimately, don't. responsible for World War Hulk. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that he was a jerk like this. And we, we get, we kind of get a little bit of what had transpired in this book. There's a, there's a little bit of a side story with a guy by the name of Pavlish who comes to Dr. Strange, you know, as he's a skilled surgeon before his accident and says, look, I need your help. And Dr. Strange is like, no, I'm not, I'm, you're, you're going to be dying in, in like three or four months. You know, whatever I do, it's just going to be a waste of time. I'm not wasting my time on you when there's other people that I can save. So, you know, he's a he's a bit of a jerk. And his his interaction with Dr. Hilt after that, after that encounter with Pavlish, uh, you know, Hilt says to him, look, you know, what are you doing? He, he tried to bring Stephen Strange down to Earth. And at that time, he did not. Now, after the accident, of course, I think he found a good friend in Thomas Hilt. The fact that um, the fact of that the way he was before this came as a surprise to me, but it, it adds that much more of a, a, a great level to the origin of Doctor Strange. I uh, I, I really like the robots that Brigand had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd throw that out. It's like page twenty one near the end, but like it's like just one panel. And you see all these uh, these armor, and one of them is actually an old Iron Man suit, which is kind of <laughs> but. Um, Something else that's funny, while uh, while we were talking, I was looking, I was like, who is this character? This is a really B-rate villain. That's cool, because I love that. And, um, yep, he was created for this. He's done nothing else. That's awesome. <laughs> You're talking about Brigand? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's our there's our last page there uh, with uh, Brigand and Hitler's pistol uh, holding it up to Night Nurse's face. Which, by the way, is she referred to uh, by name at all in this story? This night nurse. It's just night nurse. She's mm-hmm. not. Re- she's not referred to. That's Linda. enough. <laughs> not enough that she's more often referred to as Watson than anything else. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Something else that's interesting. Like I, I literally. You all were talking about night nurse earlier. This is the first time story I time I'd ever heard of night nurse, and I've read a lot of Marvel. Oh wow! <laughs> really? Yeah. Never heard of that character before. Had she- no clue that the Rosaria Dawson character was based on anything. Oh. <laughs> You're, wow! Yeah, no, not at all. Very cool. Well, that's what we're here for. We're here to educate, and uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> characters that really don't matter. 
for you to educate and uh yeah that, we'll just leave it there night nurse education <laughs> all right so okay book three book three flashback okay so we get a flashback to pavlish here in issue three this is the guy that strange turned down for medical care i was just talking about pavlish encounters nicodemus west outside of the hospital now as to whether pavlish has this patient has any other for some reason i thought he was like going to be a, a major villain that i never heard of in the doctor strange universe when i was reading this issue yeah he was drawn pretty creepily <laughs> yes he was he was he talks to nicodemus west outside of the hospital so again this is a flashback uh and he he talks about he, he's thanking uh dr west for destroying stephen strange because here's the thing even though nicodemus was a skilled surgeon and tried to repair his hands. The nerve nerve damage for Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange, was just too extensive, and his hands unfortunately are are crippled. He would never be able to perform surgery again. Might be able to uh, be a consultant, but uh, that doesn't fit so well under Doctor Strange here. He's not. He doesn't like that very well. He, he's thanking Do- he's thanking Doctor West for destroying Stephen Strange. But now that was not Nicodemus's intention in any way, shape, or form. It's not like he wanted to go and and end this guy's career. That's not what he wanted to do. And you get that feeling that Doctor West was doing nothing but trying to save this man, or at least save him from, at least save his hands in some way. So he was, a, he was trying to be a good guy. Now we come back to now and Dr. Strange pretty easily incapacitates Brigand, uh, our, our evil lackey here. And he hops into his mind. And I thought this was pretty cool. Hang on one sec. Let's give credit where credit is due. Sure. He got a shot because the night nurse gave him a good backwards headbutt. Okay. She does have some gumption. That's right. She, she, let's, let's, she's not a do nothing heroine. That's true. That is very true. And she's, she ain't gonna let some somebody off the street just take her out, including this guy here. 2016 girls rule, boys suck. Get over it. Ah, yeah, get used to it, folks. He incapacitates Brigand and hops into Brigand's mind. We got to figure out who this. And even though Brigand's not gonna tell him, so and so put me up to this. Doctor Strange's like, well, I don't need you to. I'm just gonna go hop into your mind and figure it out. Now he goes through as he goes in there. He thinks he's gonna find the answer pretty quickly, and unfortunately, that's not the case. The mind's you know, the mind's a crazy thing, and somehow. All these images of all of Doctor Strange's uh, villains are in there, and he he has to try and wade through. He prepared, he prepared a series of things to protect himself against Doctor Strange. Like, like basically, he seemed to be a guy who was kind of like you know one of the street level villains, but mm-hmm. had some knowledge of mysticism. Um, and certainly, the person he's working for, as we'll find out, does. So he was well prepared for this job. They didn't just send they didn't send bullseye after Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. you know, I'll throw a knife at you. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> it was like, hey, you're going up against the Sorcerer Supreme. Let's give you some prote- protections. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. He had some protections uh, against Doctor Strange. The problem was Doctor Strange was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> and just got him down one by one. He sort of saw this coming in case he got caught by Doctor Strange and, w- and was trying to and, and assumed this would be enough to deter Doctor Strange. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a great panel in there with, with Dormammu, and, you, you know, he's one of Doctor Strange's greatest. Yeah. You would think if you're this guy, oh, if I throw enough fire at Doctor Strange, he'll get distracted and I'll get, and I'll, and I'll get protected and I can get out of this. The problem he runs into is Doctor Strange ain't afraid of no illusions and just knocks them all down and gets to the heart of the matter. He hops in there uh, and finds out that uh, our actual villain, the guy that uh, is behind it all, Nicodemus West. 
Yeah, she actually, she actually threatened them basically. It was a it was a kind of a bad cop, worst cop situation. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm gonna cast a spell on you. That means you don't remember how to go to the bathroom, and you don't remember. <laughs> and he's just like, you know what? And I ain't getting paid enough. And Doctor <laughs> and Doctor Strange looks straight you. at Doctor West and has no idea who this guy is. <laughs> yeah, that's how how bad does that hurt? You know, he's like, I want to be your greatest villain. Well, he doesn't really want to be his greatest villain, but he's obviously, you know, after him for a reason. But he's like, he saved the man's hands and he just looks at him and goes, who are you? Now, his exact <laughs> words are, who the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great series. And, and that's the thing. It's like Nicodemus West, his whole purpose in this book, and it's one of the reasons why I like it so much, is he's not a mustache twirly villain as such. He has, as we'll find out, corporate masters and corporate interests. And Doctor Strange is sort of messing, you know, to save his friend, is messing with the nature of man and and science. Not to mention, he's going to cost these people a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where this is all headed. And so it's like, for all the events in Doctor Strange's life and all the villains he's taken down and all the demons he's fought, he, he just has this look of like, what is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. It's it's one of the again it's one of those bits in the comic one of those little bits where I was just like oh that's awesome yeah yeah just like Mark said we find out shortly thereafter after he figures out who Nick well after he finds out who this vil- what this villain looks like uh, he doesn't he doesn't know the whole story behind who this guy is we cut to timely pharmaceuticals which uh, Ronnie Josh uh, Mark and I could be wrong here but wasn't Marvel called timely comics mm-hmm. at one point okay it was. Mm-hmm. i thought that was a neat little nod to them but uh, timely pharmaceuticals and nicodemus is meeting with the overlords because he, he calls his secretary set up a meeting with the overlords uh which uh, it sounds pretty darn imposing but uh, <laughs> these guys are pretty much just like you know the, it's the, the board of directors <laughs> yeah yeah i was expecting like some otherworldly like demon gang because you know it's Stephen strange so you've got like magic and mysticism and nope more to go tell the truth we were all expecting dr joe yeah yeah, yeah. dormammu or or you know baron whatever it's just it was it was uh it was rich old directors people. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the greatest it's the greatest villains in the history of mankind the board of directors at pfizer that is exactly right. That, that is that is the impression I got. Now these guys, of course, they do dabble a little bit in the dark arts because they they kind of tell Nicodemus after talking to him. We find out that they're the ones that put him up to getting this cure for cancer. Because clearly, I mean, if you cured cancer, there's going to be a lot of businesses, uh, pharmaceutical companies that are going to be out of business. They're going to have to find, find something else. To everything. That's correct. They do not want this thing out there in any way because they're afraid that Doctor Strange, even though there's it's just this little vial, he can get a hold of it and replicate it. You know, if you take a drink of this, hey, you're not going to have anything to worry about. Now, that's going to cost a lot of people a lot of money. So they talk Doctor West into doing something, going to going into practicing the dark arts. Now we have not got a glimpse into this guy's. Okay, is he just a regular old schlub trying to get this elixir? Is he a wizard or a demon or whatever? We don't know about this, Dr. West, but we do know that now they're telling him, okay, hey, go, you go start practicing magic now. And he's like, whoa, wait a second, I haven't done that in years. But he's decided he's going to do so in order to try and stop Dr. Strange on this quest to find him. And so what he does is he conjures up this behemoth of a demon who goes and breathes fire and incinerates uh, night nurse's home 
as they were on their way back there, they find this huge bellowing demon who just torched the place. That's kind of where we li- we leave issue three. Um, I love the Nicodemus West character. I think that's a brilliant idea. Of you know, Here's a guy racked with guilt. This is his whole origin, right? He's racked with guilt. He couldn't save Stephen Strange's hands. So he goes to the Ancient One so that he too can learn uh, the mystic arts and maybe try uh, to help this guy. And after a little while, he's just like, yeah, this isn't what I want to do with my life and just leaves. And it turns out he's like a terrible sorcerer. No, he didn't practice long enough. He didn't do it long enough. He didn't really have an interest in it. And so, like, he accidentally kills Pavlish, which then, which is what leads him into the clutches of the timely pharmaceutical uh, corporate executives. Who basically, I mean, this is all about money. There's nothing more to it than that. They they know, and and this is why this makes such a this would make such a great story for the Marvel Cinematic Universe because there's this realism about it. They know now, uh, through the advent of Doctor Strange and some of the nutty stuff that's gone on in 616, that magic exists. And their thought is, look, we don't know nothing about no magic. We just know that if people start creating potions out of the ether and and start curing diseases, that's the end of the pharmaceutical industry. And that's very true, by the way. If you know anything about not not to steer this off into politics, so I'm just going to I'm going to keep this very brief. But if you know anything about the pharmaceutical industry, their modus operandi is not to cure anything. They treat symptoms. The drugs we take are, are, are for treating symptoms, not for curing diseases. And they do that so that you'll continue, you know, so you'll continue to stay on the medications and they'll continue to collect money. Mm-hmm. And, there, and there's more to it than all of that. But that's basically it. You can also find sort of the same structure in a lot of our electronics and stuff like that, where basically things are meant to fail after a few years. I thought it was really interesting that this is this storyline kind of is almost ahead of its time. Yeah, really. Like, really. Up to now, like last year and now with yeah. um, what's his name? Uh, douchebag that rose the price of that that cancer drug oh. or whatever last year. Yeah. So Shkreli, whatever. So I thought it was pretty cool that like, oh, well, this is we're just now getting a chance to read it now. But it's it's almost got kind of a modern context for us since this is the first time we're all reading it. Sure. Mm-hmm. So like I said, if you examine a lot of the a lot of our industries out there, everything is meant so that and in some and in, in a certain way, you know, if you think about it from from the company's point of view. If you, let's say, make an oven, where I was going before, if you make an oven that's meant to work for 100 years, well, you're not going to sell any more ovens after a while. Mm-hmm. So you make them so that they'll break in four or five years so that you know you have a steady stream of people buying ovens. And that's just replicated throughout the business industry. And it's the same thing here with pharmaceuticals. You want people to keep buying the medication. You don't want them necessarily cured. And to take it back to the comic book, their whole thing with this guy, why they want him, Mr. Nicodemus, is you need to be our consultant on on the dark arts. You need to go out there and find these people. Whatever else they're doing out there, you can't let them mess up, take down the pharmaceutical industry in whatever ways these crazy people can. And we won't get you. We won't let you get tried for murder. <laughs> he goes, "Bump the deal." So <laughs> that's what gets him involved with the elixir. Doctor Strange doesn't just find the cure for cancer; he finds the cure for everything. This is going to bring Timely down to its knees and out of existence if it gets out. And that's why they sent Nicodemus and Nicodemus and Brigham after Doctor Strange. Uh, Doctor Strange didn't know what he had, but they did. And I think that's brilliant. Now, I read some of the reviews on this, and they were like, eh, I don't know about this story. You know, when you consider 
the lackluster cavalcade of Marvel Cinematic Universe villains and the hole-in-the-sky blue laser syndrome that we've got going on in movies. It was really nice to see a simple, you don't fuck with our business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good American message, really. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm not joking. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's something every American has a context for because it's all this country's really about. So. Yeah, I mean, when you really think that the oath is a very realistic, down-to-earth story, and I and it's why I liked it as much as I did. Like I said, I don't really like a lot of the far out there, acid wash, psychedelic, uh, Doctor Strange type stories, and this one was straightforward. It was, we don't want this thing on the market. You'll you'll kill us all. And then there was a philosophical element to it, which they'll talk about in the next, I think either the next or the last issue, where, and I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but I really liked the idea of, even if it wasn't about money, there's an argument to be made for, you can't give savages the internet. It'll it'll destroy them all, kind of a thing. If you If you give savages machine guns, they'll just kill each other. You, you kind of it's the Star Trek thing, the prime directive. Don't get involved with these cultures that are not at the level that they could be. Let them evolve on their own. Mm-hmm. And they make that point in the comic book. But you just can't go throwing willy nilly all these mystic, you know, potions and amulets about because people aren't ready for them. Society is already for them. And Dr. Strange's counter to that is, you know, we probably weren't ready for the cat scan either, but we've got one now. Would you, would you, would you say that was a bad idea? Yeah. So, um, again. It takes a lot of the nonsense out of what typically is a Doctor Strange story and makes it very, very real for me. And um, I really, you gave me a good issue to focus on because I really loved all of that. And this is about where I turned on the series because up to this point, I was like, kind of, oh boy. (laughs) I'm talking about this because I run a podcast network and we need to discuss Doctor (laughs) Strange before the story. And then I got to this part and I'm like, yes, finally. It's not Ultron. It's not a hole in the sky. It's not just demons coming out of the ether. This is very real. This is interesting. All right, well, let's go ahead and we'll get into issue four here. Issue four. Uh, now, we got we got a big demon, okay, that's currently blowing fire onto a building in New York. So we've got to take care of that. Uh, so pretty much what we have is a, a, a pretty epic fight here. I think it's like two or three pages of Doctor Strange versus this demon. And what ultimately, the only way that he, uh, that he takes this thing out is he actually uses the same weapon that he was shot with. He uses Hitler's handgun. And shoots this, shoots this demon, which by the way, okay, this ain't just some flying around thing. It's about as big as me or you. This thing is as big as a building, if not bigger. So he shoots this thing and proceeds to kill it. I want, you know, I'm not going to be able to do the fight justice. I can just tell you how it starts and how it ends. There's a psychic trail. Just to let you guys know, we got to figure out some way to figure out who's behind this. There's a psychic trail that leads to Nicodemus West. Now, as they show up there, our trio shows up there. What I assume is Nicodemus's stronghold. They, he immediately traps all three of them in what is called the Emerald Sands of Exador. Okay. <laughs> Sounded good enough to me. Um, <laughs> the Emerald Sands of Exador traps them inside that. And Dr. Strange is aghast. He doesn't understand how in the world do you, do you have the power to cast such a spell? Uh, and then we get our backstory on Nicodemus, which, Mark, you, you did a great job explaining what happened there, how he gets involved with timely pharmaceuticals. But one of the big things that we find out is that he was racked with guilt 
And his purpose after just feeling so bad about what he did to Dr. Strange and what, you know, what has transpired, he goes off trying to find Dr. Strange shortly after, you know, shortly after these events and ends up following Dr. Strange's trail to the ancient one. But Dr. Strange just left. I don't know how long ago. And I don't know if this is a true story or not, but I assume that it is because it almost feels like it was just thrown in there and just kind of like the ancient one looks at him and says, uh, uh, I'll train you too. <laughs> yeah, that one, it, it, that one felt kind of awkward. Like it felt like yeah. a very plot device. Yes. Uh, so the ancient one decides to train Nicodemus West to be potentially the Sorcerer Supreme. So uh, Nicodemus, Dr. West, explains it as like, well, hey, just in case you failed, the Ancient One's got to have a backup plan. I'm the backup plan. But again, he wasn't the greatest sorcerer. And he, even though he tried his best practice a little bit of it, he kind of fell out of it. The Strange escapes the, uh, the sands of Exodor, the Emerald Sands of Exodor. And then we find out that the cure is the panacea. The, the cure for everything. Wong and Strange continue to suffer their ailments. I mean, remember, Dr. Strange just had surgery. It's not like this guy can get up and just, I mean, throughout the story, he's clutching his chest and you know he's suffering. And Wong is not going so well either. This guy has been suffering from this brain tumor. At the end of this story, we are struck with what was a, potentially a game changer in my view, where uh, as Dr. Strange is, uh, is trying to fight Nicodemus West, he turns around and Wong has collapsed. And is lying in the arms of Night Nurse. And she looks up at Dr. Strange and said, Wong is dead. And that's where we leave issue four. So all this fight to get this elixir to try and save Wong may just be too late. There's issue four. Josh Calandros, I believe uh, you, sir, are up next. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to just kind of point out a couple of the, the frames that I really enjoyed from an art standpoint. And uh, so if you go to page four... Like during this big uh, battle with with this this building sized demon, you've kind of got like a pretty classic comic book hero pose where where Strange is kind of flying off to do do battle, and they're like, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?" And he's like, "Defy expectations," and he's got this awesome awesome <laughs> view of him like flying up with his fists raised. It's pretty classic kind of superhero. Oh thing, yeah, I just like the color scheme that that they that Doctor Strange has to begin with, but it, it, this is a really vividly colored book. And I think for this particular moment, you've got like, really, there's not a whole lot of positive stuff is going on. And then you kind of see him zooming up and it's it's all bright. And, 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 you know, we were talking about like the whole trained by the ancient one. Is that is that legit? And the more that I sat here and thought about it as as you were kind of going over the issue, like it really doesn't matter if that's true or not because this is kind of more about nicodemus as the villain like is he telling the truth is this all just bs because he's got a point to make or he's screwing with stephen strange the whole time the the one piece where you see the ancient one let's see page 16 that's a pretty cool panel in and of itself too because he's, oh, basically, he's sitting up there yeah yeah it's and it's just the red eyes and the horns and everything's black it, it kind of puts that character in, in, a, in an appropriate tone, given the bright color scheme of the rest of the book series. And something else that that we didn't mention earlier is um, who was the, who was the creepy guy we were talking about earlier? The guy that was 
Pavlish. Uh, yeah, so Pavlish, he he shows up later after Nicodemus has found this this magical uh, streak, and he's the first one that he goes to in the modern world, in the Western world, if you will, and and tries to use this power to heal him, and it really does not go so well. Like, <laughs> like for a moment, he's kind of turned back into what he was, and then his face just explodes. But like he he's he just does not work whatsoever. Does, he does something with his white blood cells. He says, "I I attempted to have his." white blood cells attacked the cancer and then shortly thereafter his white blood cells decided to attack the rest of his body mm-hmm. to which he just explodes all over dr west uh, <laughs> in a nasty fashion i honestly like this the the major there, there was stuff going on in this issue but i mean i i just kind of this is kind of it, it all felt kind of like plot device to get to the whole nicodemus uh not origin but you know, his, uh, his his great villain moment where he reveals to everyone is, you know, is his reasoning and such, which, you know, it, that, that there, there's some good stuff in this book. But I mean, as as the entire series goes, pro- maybe one of the more forgettable issues. OK, except for that last page, of course. I mean, you're left assuming that Wong is dead and that you're like, well, there's I'm- no reason to read the next one because it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> Night nurse straight up says he's dead, which, you know, I was like, oh, man, he's dead. What is going to happen? Colorist Avr Rodriguez. Yep. So we'll give we'll give props to Avr. For some reason, that sounds familiar. Like I've heard that name before or mentioned him before. You know, as as we do this podcast more and more, I I never really paid attention to colors, and now it seems like I've come across a lot of issues where a colorist can either make or break an uh, an issue mm-hmm. or a, a story. I remember reading about why does not why doesn't a colorist get as much recognition as the artist? Because what we are looking at here. You know, if it was black and white, uh, I don't know if I would be able to accept it as as better. I'm sure I could, but I, I mean, it, the color makes it pop. One of the things that they said is that you know, hey, there wouldn't be anything to color without the artist. So, just to let you know, that's why when you see story and art, the colorist is just down there hanging out at the bottom. Although I think they should get just as much props as uh, the artist does mm-hmm. and the and the story because and, and the and the author. So it's a really it's a really big piece of the tone of the book. In my yeah, like it, it, even almost more so than the art in some cases. I mean, and I mean, let's never f- not forget about the lowly inker. I mean, like, the, <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, though, I mean, like the shading, I mean, shading it depending on what book you're reading. I mean, if you're reading a book like like Daredevil oh, yeah. or some one of the more darker books like. Inkers, the inkers are important, man. Like the shading is really key to some of these characters. As a father of a five-year-old, where coloring is a big part of her homework on a, on a nightly <laughs> basis, I can attest to the fact that coloring is an art form and a profession, and and it and should be taken seriously because I have seen her color, and she is a rank amateur. <laughs> <laughs> boo, little one, boo! Your shading is all wrong, kid. Uh, he's outside the lines it's just a mess this is not your craft little one no (laughs) one of the things i've heard i kind of wanted to bring to everyone's attention who reads this book pay attention to dr strange's hands Mm -hmm. as they are drawn this next issue makes it very prominent but when you look throughout this story his hands really don't look so hot they are they are mangled and they were messed up in that in that wreck for sure as a matter of fact 
I always thought his origin, his hands got broken real bad. And I didn't realize that the nerve damage was that bad. And, and in this in this story, there's a point where he's holding that gun and he can't hold it steady mm-hmm. until he finally, you know, is able to brace himself enough to shoot that. You know, it's a, it's a huge demon. It's the broad side of a barn. <laughs> but he has to sit there and hold it steady so he can try and shoot this thing. If we're going to go ahead and give props to Art again. You know, they do a very good job of getting that point across. This man's hands were mangled in that wreck. And his and he's he's in gloves the vast majority of the time accordingly. I, yeah. yeah, I've never seen the guy without gloves ever up until what we're about to get into. So issue five, we get our we, we get our conclusion. Wong is dead. Well, and maybe not. It seems like he's got a little bit of a pulse. Uh, there, there may be something that they can do to save this guy, uh, but they've got to get him to a hospital or do something quick. They can't get him to a hospital because if they move him, he may not survive. Night Nurse says he's not going to survive the transportation. There's only one option, and that is for Doctor Strange to go after Nicodemus West, Doctor West, who actually just escaped the clutches from Doctor Strange. So he has to follow him and get this elixir from him. Oh, and we get a fight on this uh, on this building. It's building top. It's basically a rooftop of a building in New York, I assume. There's only one thing left for them to do. Nicodemus West is like, look, you cannot have this elixir. All right. His motivations, you know, as a reader, I can almost see what he's trying to say. And we'll talk a little bit about this here in a few. But he's saying to them, look, you cannot have this elixir. If you have this, I know what you plan to do. We're going to suffer from overpopulation. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. You know, you cannot have it. And Dr. Strange is like, look, I, I, I just want it for my bud. My buddy Wong, give that to me. It, it shouldn't be in your hands anyway. So we get the fight. Okay. Now this fight, you want to talk about street level starch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we bring it down to street level where. Is it? Yeah, it's Nicodemus West pulls out, casts this spell and puts this. It's like an hourglass down on the ground. And during this period of time, no magic can be used. So they does that not scream out Netflix finale? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They just needed needed a hallway. (laughs) (laughs) Not enough hallways. Rooftops, the second best option. (laughs) He sets the hourglass out. Magic cannot be used. So here's where we get our battle between Nicodemus West and Doctor Strange. And it's fisticuffs, folks. And the gloves come off. Hear the Rocky music in the background from Rocky. (laughs) Great. Doctor Strange might as well have yelled out, you ain't so bad. (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't the same plot of that particular fight do you guys remember the second fight against clubber lang okay so clubber lang was bigger stronger faster and blacker than (laughs) sylvester stallone okay than rock (laughs) but uh you know that's why he beat him the first time aside from the fact that you know he had been distracted by mickey dying but nevertheless so the second fight comes on he knows he can't match him power for power or speed for speed what he realizes though is that he's got a chin made of granite and that if he can just rope-a-dope him, which is a real thing that Muhammad Ali did, uh, if he can just wait it out and wait for Clubber Lang to blow his load, basically, then he can strike back and he'll be out of breath. Because if you can't breathe, you can't punch. <laughs> and that is literally what happened in this fight. <laughs> to the point where he actually says it. He's just like, yeah, I'm just waiting for you to get out of breath. Huzzah! I work out with Iron Fist. So, and, and then he beats him up. Yeah. We get a bit of a nod to Wong, you know, the, the bond between Wong and Dr. Strange, who, you know, during all this time, 
even though Wong may call him master, Wong has been the master as he institutes some of that great fighting knowledge, that, that great martial arts skill that he has learned from Wong over the years in order to dispatch Nicodemus West, who ends up falling to his, well, to his death. Dr. Strange, it's so cool because Nicodemus <laughs> is falling over and Dr. Strange runs over to the edge and you, the words come out of his mouth to try and cast a spell. But those sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. They continue to fall and they're still falling and he's not able to use magic in order to save Dr. West. Now a, so now I have a question. Okay. Did the writer of this comic book formerly work at Disney's animation studio? <laughs> Uh, he's worked on some TV, but I don't think he's been an animator. Do you think that it's the feel? If you haven't picked it up yet, this is how they killed just about every, for a while there, they killed every Disney villain. They were all falling off roofs. (laughs) Or cliff sides. Yeah. 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 The magic is, you know, we can't use the magic to save him. And Dr. West falls with the elixir in hand, hits the ground, kersplat. Dr. West is dead. And the elixir didn't fare too well either, as it is broken and it is running down into the drains of uh, the sewers of New York. There is, however, one small sliver of glass that has just a tiny, just a sip of this of this panacea. And Doctor Strange has to make the decision as to whether to take that little bit and go to Wong and save his life, or does the the need of many outweigh the needs of the few? Does he take that, let Wong die, and reproduce it? So he makes his decision, and of course, he saves Wong's life. And that's kind of where I'll leave it here, because we're going to touch on, I know, the big ending. You guys definitely want to talk about that. Let's talk about the choice that Doctor Strange made. I mean, it it's the only one in the grander context of the book. I mean, they're not going to have a five-issue Doctor Strange story change the entirety of existence. <laughs> you know? I, mean, I mean, if you think about the next step of him taking that as the option, like, it's not. And it makes more sense for him as a character to do this for Wong anyway. Yes, I agree. I'm right there with Josh. It it, it makes much more sense for him to, to, to save Wong. It, it, it would change everything. Okay, it's his friend, his companion. So let's do, let's let's put it on a personal level, sir. Mm -hmm. Okay, you've got the same choice to make. Your bestest buddy, myself. You know, I'm on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on the ground. The only thing that's going to save me is a panacea. What would you do if you were in the same situation as Doctor Strange? I'm going to give it to you. You're going to, you're going to give me the elixir and save my life versus saving everybody on the planet from their disease. We can't have overpopulation, man. Oh, so you, you identify with no, the villain's no. vote. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I think that's what makes the villain, you know, our villain, Nicodemus West, I think is a good villain because he his motivations are reasonable. But- yeah. You're living in a world of fantasy with, with, with that. And if you live in a world of fantasy like Doctor Strange and like, you know, the comic books, there's always going to be something come up that could take its place. And that's kind of where I live with my 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 situation on that. But um, he also goes by the the Hippocratic Oath. Half the, yeah, that's the main reason why this is called the Oath. Good point. Um, you know, he has to help his patient who is now Wong. You know, he has to provide his patient with whatever he can. Does he hold that back from his patient to save people that possibly to save people that aren't his patient, or does he go ahead and give it to the person who needs it right then and there? You know, there are people around the world that need it right then and there, but it it comes back to, you know, his decisions that he had to make when he was a doctor. You know, he had to turn people away sometimes 
because, you know, their insurance or whatever, he couldn't do anything for him. He was a bit of a jerk about it, you know, in the beginning of the, you know, in his beginnings, but uh, he had to go by the Hippocratic Oath. And, you know, that's a decision he's going to have to live with. It didn't even occur to me to put that twofold spin on the oath. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I thought this was more about how, cause this is explored in the book about how long took the oath to become a sorcerer, you know, the, the sorcerer's servant. And you're, you're right. This has a lot of, uh, of uh, medical overtones, pharmaceutical, mm-hmm. whatever. Great, great analogy, man. Great, great stuff. I, I just froze it here on Dr. Strange's, uh, Hands. bare hands. He's got some jacked up hands. Those that fingers. Is, that is a slow mo spot. Whatever when this show, whenever this movie happens, if if this happens in the on the series, whatever his his gloves are coming off slow mo. There's well, no doubt about it, and there's going to be some crazy music behind it. Go ahead. I mean, did they put some extra fingers on top of his fingers when they fix his hands? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be able to play the piano. Again. <laughs> well, he, will, he doesn't have five healthy fingers, but we can give him 13 <laughs> subpar <laughs> fingers. I mean, look at him. He can play the guitar like a madman. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there's some lengthy digits there. <laughs> Mark Radulich, the choice, man. Look, they could have gone either way with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach this as a storyteller and a pitch man. Sure. I, if you're going to say this is sort of either an Elseworld tale or a self-contained tale um, that it's not going to affect the the, the the greater 616 or ultimate universe, wherever this took place, then what they did here was fine. And at the end of the day, I think Doctor Strange made a good decision to save his friend. You know, the, the, as Ronnie was talking about, you know, the oath works on multiple levels. There's the Hippocratic oath. There's the oath that they made to each other, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways. Or pursuing what happened when the liquid went into the sewer would make for a great second half of this sto- of a continued story. Something along the lines of what happened in Agents of Shield, where um, the stuff that turned you into an, an inhuman got into the water and ended up in like a bunch of uh, supplements. So it started turning people into in, in this season. It started turning people into inhumans uh, left and right. Oh, is that uh, how they got around the whole Terrigen bomb thing in the show? Yeah. Interesting. Actually, I, I, I think I might, I might be off a season or two here. But basically, at the end of whatever season it was they, that they introduced the Inhumans, the, the, it was the third season. The third season, they, they, uh, they addressed the issue of all the, um, the stuff going into the water by saying, oh, it, it was affecting people at random. So wouldn't it be interesting to see if, if in this situation it got into the water supply and it started affecting people? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, well, just think about this. I mean, imagine if, like, not, not just people, like fish or some kind of crazy fish disease that usually kills out fish is all of a sudden cured. And we get right. this crazy, yeah, a I mean, crazy rash of healthy fish. <laughs> no more mercury. What are we <laughs> going to a sewer in New York City? So let's think about what's down there: crocodiles, turtles, uh, <laughs> rats. <laughs> Um, so there's all kinds of there's a, there's all kinds of fun to be had with a mystery liquid flowing into the uh, into the sewage system and into the greater water stream. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that I mean I was just reading an article as we were all talking that Cumberbatch talked about maybe putting the Illuminati in Dormammu in the next movie. Probably going to be alluded to at the end of this one. Uh, I would I would like to kind of almost put the Illuminati off or somehow involve them with this oath storyline, which again kind of like old man logan next year 
um, not a direct take, but sort of let's provide let the oath provide the bones of our sequel and let's take it in some more and interesting directions. Mm-hmm. Tom Bombadil doesn't have to be in the story. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old Lord of the Rings. We'll go ahead and get into final thoughts. Uh, Mark, I'll let you start, man. What do you what do you think? This is your this is your first four way four way four way. This is your first four way, Mark. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're ready for some hardcore hugging. Um, (laughs) I didn't know anything about this. I just knew we needed to talk about Doctor Strange and preparation for the movie coming out, which will be reviewed on Damn You Hollywood, starring myself and Robert Winfrey on the Rattlers Broadcasting Network. So, I mean, I wasn't super excited going into it, but I I was like, no, this must be done. And let's let's be open to new things, like a four-way. So, um, <laughs> oh. oh boy! <laughs> so I, I, I am an adult, but I feel like I need one. <laughs> it starts off a little slow, but it really picks up with issue three. And once it, it, it and once it sort of lays the foundation of the mystery, and they and they get going, it, it's a super tale. It really, it's everything I like in in Marvel comics. Um, it's what kept me reading them for as many years as it, as it did. Is those moral quandaries that these uh, characters get put in. Like, I don't know. Um, I mean, Josh, you, you said you were big into DC. I didn't read much DC growing up, and I, and I certainly didn't read much as an adult. But it's one of the things that I found at least interesting about Batman of, of those characters and why I stayed with Marvel for as many years as I did, because Marvel tended to have these fantastic beings placed in very real and very interesting situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could relate to those characters, even if it didn't touch me personally, I could at least relate to the, what some of these characters were going through and why they were making the, the decisions that they, that they were um, when they went in those directions, when they would go in some silly directions, I tended to just throw my hands up and say, I'm done with this. But the other thing I really like about the oath is the interplay between Wong Doctor Strange and Night Nurse. I like the fact that Night Nurse is, again, not a do-nothing heroine. She kind of reminds me of Princess Leia from A New Hope in the sense that she's assertive. She's not playing a background character to the other two male figures. She plays her part well, and they kind of all work together. Um, There's no duplication of services here. You've got, you know, Doctor Strange does his thing, Wong can do his, his thing, and she does her thing. And as far as interest in a story, that's what keeps it lively and interesting is, you know, it, it's not a sort of Iron Man war machine, you know, kind of a thing. Or somebody once complained about why do, why do all the Marvel cinematic villains have the same powers as the heroes? I, I can see the point of that, but I still like the Red Hulk. yeah so i like the fact that this you know this was very cinematic all the characters i think were pretty well fleshed out they all had a rhyme and a reason the villain's purpose makes sense i can't really find any flaws in it and it's it's kind of a perfect story in that sense even when it gets a little on the silly side like conjuring a monster out of nowhere i get it it's magic i'm not arguing with that point but like i can i can accept a certain degree of silly if it's got a strong foundation, it's the, it's when it's reversed, you know, and, you know, you've got, you know, all kinds of silly and a weak foundation that I start to just walk away from these things going, I don't understand why they're writing this the way they are. So I don't have a whole lot of criticism here and I really enjoyed it. I'm like, I'll give it uh, four stars. All right. Very good. All right, Ronnie Adams, buddy. How about you, man? Final thoughts? You know, this was a, a phenomenal in- introduction, I guess you could say, not introduction, but to the character, but to his, his solo series, you know, his solo adventures. 
for being uh, for being a mystical you know character having you know being the sorcerer supreme and everything it was a very we use this term a lot but it's the truth it was a very street level story uh-huh. at some points and uh, I, I just thought it was really cool to bring him down to uh, bring him down to earth and and uh, and show him on a on a, a more human level uh, than what I've seen him in the past and in, in the uh, him as a secondary character because you know I, I think recently he was part of a magic you know the magic team in Civil War two that brought down like uh, a celestial you know yeah pretty big Mm -hmm. deal (laughs) yeah it was it was the whole it was a it was all of the it was the avengers it was everybody and then it was him and damien hellstrom and wiccan and a few others that cast a spell and and uh that took the celestial back to back to where it came from He, he is one of the most powerful heroes in the marvel universe but now uh, even night nurse called him uh, a, a mystic detective and that's kind of what this was was a kind of a detective story almost so it was it was a really cool story to me and i and i i have thoroughly enjoyed reading it yeah i actually enjoyed it a lot i have to admit like uh when you mentioned, you know, targeting a Doctor Strange storyline, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Because I, I really wanted to do um, like the current the current volume that Jason, Jason Aaron's. Jason about. Aaron. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's gone through uh, the last major story arc they did was called The Last Days of Magic. And it's basically literally a fight to save magic on on this on this plane. It's a really cool concept that they did. But. And, and so whenever you mentioned this five issue oath storyline, I, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, man, that sucks. But I was like, well, you know what? It, it's a new story. It's by Brian K. Vaughn. So this, there's no real downside here. And I, it, it was I felt like it had its ups and its downs. Like there was some kind of points where I was like, kind of kind of losing me a little bit here and there. But I don't I don't think it's Brian K. Vaughn's best work. But I mm. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's his worst either because it's not bad at all. It's yeah. It's, it was, you know, it, it's like it's like Ronnie and 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 Mark said. It's not it's not necessarily an introduction, but if you're if you know the basics of Doctor Strange and this is your first story to get into before the movie, I think it does pretty well to kind of leave me even more interested in the movie you know, than I did just from watching the trailers because I thought the trailers have looked pretty solid so far. But this kind of gives. You know, we I I, th- I feel like we all kind of understood the basics of his origin story, but this kind of fleshes it out a little bit more in terms mm-hmm. of all the different interweavings that that canon have gone on in its origin. So I, mean, I thought it was really enjoyable. It was really cool, like, with the exception of that last panel on page. Oh, wait, <laughs> like, the last page? Yeah. yeah. Wait a second. We wait, just, just this we one? Forgotten about it. Oh, Lord. It's just unnecessary. Like, why? Like, I, I, I get, I get that they, they were hinting at, they were flirting with each other the whole time. But I, the thing that I liked about all of it is that that's kind of what it was. You know, it just mm-hmm. felt like something like they can't really get involved because that's not going to work for either of them. So, I mean, think about it. How is this? How is that going to work for either of them? And then it's like, how do we finish this up? There we go. I'm going to draw a comparison here. I just got, my wife and I just watched last night, uh, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, which was terrible, by the way. The one character that isn't Anna Kendrick, he, you know, she, the whole time is just abusing the one brother, uh, the one that isn't Zac Efron. <laughs> and, um, and then at some point, you know, at their lowest point in the movie, both of them, they kind of do come together and they share the fact that they're both morons and they do have that in common. And, you know, and, and then through that, they sort of bond and everything. And then at the end of the movie, when uh, Zac Efron decides he's going to go draw for a living, 
um, and try to live up to his potential instead of being you know, tied to his brother, uh, he says to her, hey, listen, if you know a lot about liquor, why don't you come join me? Because he's a, he's a liquor salesman. He's like, why don't you join me in my business and help me sell liquor? And she was like, okay, let, let, you know, and the whole time he's still trying to get her into bed. She, you, you're led to believe at the very end of the movie that, you know, she's like, no, let's just keep it professional. And then she kind of maybe, and it would have been a little stronger had they just left it at that. You know, there's, ooh, well, they won't they, you know, hey, this, in this movie, at least there's some, in, nope, in the next, <laughs> yeah. fucking in a bar. <laughs> sweet, sweet subtlety. <laughs> <laughs> And that's kind of what I'm looking at here. That's just, yeah. That's that's kind of how I felt because like it it just it didn't. I mean, it wasn't needed. Like it let it me, does nothing. Did they well, get together after this? Probably not. Point. Well, let me <laughs> go ahead. Did. We, you know, for our listeners, because I know you guys, if you're if you're listening, you're not able to see this final panel. But at the end of this book, Night Nurse and Doctor Strange are having a, a discussion about their adventures and, you know, the, whatever, you know, whatever comes next. OK. And then all of a sudden, I think there's a, a Sherlock reference or something. And then they're in each other's arms, like sharing a very passionate kiss. Well, hang on. Right before that, there's a there's a thing that there's a whole thing that sets that up where he basically, and that's why I drew the comparison to uh, Mike and Dave me wedding dates, not just because I like to go on ranting about other movies, bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> you lie, sir. Um, <laughs> and that's because he offers her the sanctum sanctorum to practice her night nursery. Oh, that's right. That's right. And she's like, yeah, okay. you know. And they're kind of talking about that, and you know, and um, she's like, okay, I'll I'll take you up on that. And, then, and then I'll just read this. He was like, that's a lovely sentiment, Stephen, but are you sure you won't get sick of me leaving my blood-covered scrubs all over your magic wands? And folks, I do know how to read. It's just in very small print. I got the magnifier up there for you. Thank you, sir. Uh-huh. Leaving, leaving my blood-covered scrubs all over your magic wands and crap. And he says, you have my word. That should have been the end of it. Or go yeah, to the uh, exactly. Hands. Nope, nope. They're in a deep embrace, kissing, swapping spit. You, you mentioned there was some flirting, but I didn't even pick up on that. This I was mean, like I did, but that did. that much came out. That much they, they're flirting throughout the whole thing, but I mean it. It was really thinly veiled, and it just. I, I turned that last page. And I was like, "What? Why? Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Why?" Like I, said, I honestly thought I missed pages. Like I had to go back. I went back and forth, like back and to the left, like ten times. <laughs> back and to the left. Back and to the left. Was there more to the story, and I missed it? And I'm like, no, no, and scrubs and crap. No, my dear, what's the, no, he's kissing her. Well, what did I, what? He's like, well, since you're staying here, we, you know, we clearly, we've got a shag. I've got a barn out back. (laughs) I I feel like there was a page missing that said, well, like, what's the rent? And he was like, I'll show you the rent. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) And then we go to a splash page and we're out. (laughs) Oh, he was more of a jerk than you realized. Well, I think that aptly sums up our uh, the fun read that we had and the absolutely su- surprise ending. Um, I, I can't do much but echo what these guys have already said. I think the main point I want to drive home that Josh made is that this is Brian K. Vaughn. This is not his best work, and I'll agree with that wholeheartedly because, you know, why the last man? Oh, tremendous read. Mm-hmm. Uh, saga, tremendous read. So this is his hand. I don't know if I've 
I, Ronnie, I've never read Runaways, so I know that me and you are going to cover that on here at some point. That's got to happen. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to get into that because I think that this is my first time ever reading Brian K. Vaughn try to write a big two. You know, I don't know if I've ever read anything else that he's done for Marvel or DC. I don't even know if he's done anything for DC ever. I, as for his shot at Doctor Strange, I, I give it I, I give it a thumbs up as well. Hey, it's plug time, and you all know what that means. This would be a good time to plug the sponsor of the W2M Network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Source Material, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W, the number two, M network to download Grammarly for free. Thank you very much for joining us. Do not forget to subscribe to our new home by punching in W2M Network on just about any podcast platform to get all of our content into your audio feed. Also, give a like to the Rattelich in Broadcasting Network and W2Mnet.com Facebook page in order to stay on top of everything that we have to offer. If you'd like to follow the Source Material podcast on social media, just follow at SourceMatCast on Twitter, and we are on Facebook at Source Material Comics Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please feel free to share. We look forward to entertaining you again soon.